0: Amen. Well, it would be my joy if you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's actually my greatest joy to be gathered with Christ Fellowship Church, to be with my faith family, to hear the pages of Scripture turning as we open our Bibles, to sing of the love of Jesus together. This is the greatest joy. This is greater joy than sitting in a Box with Taylor Swift at Super Bowl, right? Amen. Amen. It's better than anything. And Charles Spurgeon said that the, that the gathered people of God is the dearest place on earth. Do you feel that way this morning? Well, this is what we read in 2 Corinthians as we hear about Paul's heart for the Corinthian church. A heart that was often misunderstood, a heart that was questioned, but his true heart for the church, which looks a lot like Jesus' heart for us. It says this, I I have been a fool. You forced me to do it, for I, I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. Here for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents For their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you, though any of those whom through any of those whom I sent to you? I urge Titus to go to you and Sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. And that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you. And I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier. And have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Let's pray together. Lord, we... We open up this word this morning, Lord, and we ask that we would understand the heart of Paul as the shepherd of the sheep, as the one who cared deeply and loved deeply the Corinthian church. But Lord, I pray that through the heart of Paul, through the words of Paul, that Lord, we would know our good shepherd that we would know the heart of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who loves us and who cares for us and who pursues us and who holds us fast even in this very moment. Lord, we don't just want to know about Jesus. Jesus, we want to know your heart. We don't just want to hear about you this morning, Lord. We want to be drawn into your presence, into your heart, this very moment that we might be able to say together, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Lord, would you help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the hardest things is when someone questions your heart. When someone doubts your love. Like people could doubt a lot of things about me and they have a lot to doubt about me and question about me but like, like someone could question my wisdom and I make a lot of silly and foolish decisions at time Rebecca don't say amen we don't need any of that from her so Someone can question my ability or my power to do something and I'm I'm weak I come up short often and you know, someone can can question my memory sometimes. I can forget things. I can let things slip my mind. However, it just cuts deeper when someone questions your heart. When someone questions your love for them. Like when one of your kids out of frustration yells, well then you don't care about me at all. That cuts. When a friend thinks you don't care because you didn't call them or you didn't show up to something, it cuts you to the heart. When a church member leaves the church saying, we didn't feel like we were cared for, it cuts to the heart. This is exactly how Paul felt with the Corinthians when they're questioning his heart throughout this letter, it cuts him. It hurts the Apostle Paul, especially when he knows his heart, especially when he loves so much, and yet it's questioned. It goes unrecognized. It's not received from those he loves. And especially when there's others that are not questioned. When there's others who are not questioned at all, and they're received with open arms, even when they're in it for themselves. See, we've seen throughout this letter that that the Corinthian church has open arms, open arms to the super apostles while they're rejecting Paul and keeping him at arm's length. These false teachers, they think that they're somehow sincere in their ministry, but there's something insincere about Paul. They say that these super apostles, they they must have pure motives in the way they teach and what they teach and how they receive from us. But Paul, for some reason, they think Paul is being deceitful. Paul is having ulterior motives. It's unbelievable because nothing could be further from the truth. Nobody loves the Corinthian church more than Paul does, except for Jesus. And we also know, Jesus also knows what it's like for his heart to be questioned, for his love to go unrecognized. Jesus knows what it's like for someone who he loves to walk away from his love, the rich young ruler to have unrequited love. Jesus knows what it's like to, to weep over the city of Jerusalem as someone who longs to gather them to himself and yet they are unwilling to receive his love. So this morning, like Paul, I want you to know your shepherd's heart. I want you to know that your pastor's Just like Paul loved the Corinthians, your pastors here at Christ Fellowship, love you more than you even know. But even more than this, I want you to know that you are fully loved by Jesus. That you are fully loved by the good shepherd Jesus Christ. I want you to hear his heart for you today. I want you to be drawn into his love in such a way that you could say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd right now. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd and I don't need anything because Jesus is enough for me. The first thing we see in our passage is that the shepherd's heart is motivated by selfless love it's motivated by selfless selfless love paul was being questioned by the corinthian church because he wouldn't take money from them it's a funny thing when you think about it it's like they're mad at paul that he's not making them pay for his ministry that they're not willing he's not willing to be a to have be a burden on them. It's like they were saying, Paul, if you really loved us, you would charge us. These other apostles charge us. If you loved us, you would charge us. And that's why Paul sarcastically in verse 13 says, forgive me of this wrong. It's like you can hear Paul saying, I'm so sorry that I was so selfless. That's what he's saying. I'm so sorry that I didn't heap Burdens upon you. See, the super apostles, they were opposite of the apostle Paul. Their heart was full of self. We've seen this throughout the whole letter. They were about self-absorption. They were about self-exaltation. They were about self-promotion in all they're doing. And they were about selfish gain in doing the ministry. The church existed for them. But Paul's heart was different. Paul's heart and all the hearts of his friends, like Titus and these others that he sent to Corinth, were totally different because he did not want to take advantage of them like the false teachers. Paul did not want to be a burden to them. No, his heart was the heart of the gospel. His heart was to unburden them. That's the heart of a shepherd, is that we want to unburden those in Christ. Look down at verse 14. Paul says it very clearly. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. Paul says, I'm not after your stuff. I'm after you. Paul says, I don't care about your wallet. I care about your heart. I want your heart to be in love with Jesus. Paul says, you know, pastoring is a lot like parenting. That's what he says in the next verse. It's a lot like the love of a parent for his or her child. You, you don't have babies. You don't have children for your selfish gain. You don't go to the hospital hospital hoping, I get a lot out of this. I'm getting a lot out of them. We get a lot out of them. But the goal is not, what can I get out of these little things? Because if it was, maybe the first six months, you'd be like, I don't know if this is working out. Like, This is really one way. I don't feel like... I don't feel like I'm getting a lot, but I'm giving a lot, right? No, we, we have children so we can give. So we can share the joy and the love that we've received out of the overflow of our hearts. Just like our God who created, not for what he could receive, but out of the overflow of his eternal joy, his eternal love He created. He gave. That's why Paul says in verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will gladly be spent, spend and be spent for your souls. That's the heart of a shepherd. I will joyfully give my money And joyfully give my life for you. It's what a shepherd's heart says. I will joyfully give my very life for you. The the heart of a true shepherd. The joyful heart of a true shepherd is never inconvenienced by the sheep. Never bothered by the sheep. never treats you like they're too busy, never goes through the motions, never feels like it's a sacrifice to spend time with you. This is the joyful heart filled with selfless love, not a selfish heart looking for their selfish gain. What I want you to hear this morning is that this is the heart of the good shepherd. This is the heart of Jesus. John 10.10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Or again in Mark 10, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you hear the heart of Jesus? Do you hear the heart of Jesus for you? Jesus' heart is not after what he can get out of you, but the selfless love that he can give to you. That's why likeness looks nothing like selflessness. I mean selfishness. That's why likeness looks like selflessness. Less of self. More love, more selfless love for others. But that's not any of our natures, right? (laughs) Like none of our natures by nature is to be selfless. We come out of the womb selfish. We, We come out of the womb selfish and about ourselves. Sin by nature turns you in on yourself turns you in on yourself. Nobody had to teach a baby at the hospital or sign them up for classes about how to say mine and to make their life about me by nature. Somebody takes something from them and they scream out of the depths of their heart, mine, it's for me. I'm about me. We're just like the super apostles that ask questions like, Well, what's in it for me? What do I get? Will this benefit me or not? Brothers and sisters, this morning my prayer is that the selfless love of Jesus would overwhelm, would would disrupt our self-centered hearts. Until the selfless love of Jesus makes us all about serving rather than being served. Until the self-giving gospel makes us say to to others, to one another, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. I mean, what would that do for your marriage to, to have a heart that says, I will gladly spend and my life be spent for you? And for brothers and sisters in Christ, I will gladly spend and be spent for you and your children and your friends that don't know Jesus. My life, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. I mean, can our hearts say wholeheartedly with Paul, remember 2 Corinthians 5, what he said to us? 2 Corinthians 5, Paul said this, Is this your heart? For the love of Christ. Controls us. The love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Does the selfless, self-giving love of Jesus control you so much that you just can't live for yourself? Does the love of Jesus control you so much that you just can't live for yourself anymore? Now none of us are there yet, right? I will testify that I can be the most selfish person in this room on the average day listen, the self-giving, self-emptying, selfless love of Jesus should be making his people more selfless. In fact, let this be the measure of your growth in Christ. Let that be the measure of your growth in Christ. Not what I know. It's It's not how many books that I've read. It's not how much spiritual activity and busyness I have. It's not how good I am at checking the box in my Bible reading plan. No, am I growing selfless in my love like Jesus? Am I growing in selfless love? That's a shepherd's heart. It's motivated by selfless love. But the second thing we see about a shepherd's heart is that it's aiming at building up. It's aiming at building up others in Christ. It's aiming at doing good for others. You know this letter would have been read out loud in Corinth. Like nobody had the Bible app on their phones in Corinth. Hopefully I'm not giving you any news you didn't know. Nobody like had their Bibles in their lap. No they heard it. All 13 chapters, they would have heard and listened to it together. And so I'm thinking Paul at this point is like, I bet by this point they're wondering if I'm missing why I'm writing to them. Like, I want it to be crystal clear why I'm writing this letter to the church. And so he gives us verse 19. Paul states in 19, his agenda for this whole letter, his aim for the church. He says this, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? He's like, I hope not. I hope that's not what you think this is about. No, he says, It is in the sight of God that we've been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. All for you being built up in Jesus, the church that I love. The church that Jesus loves. Beloved, Paul says, my agenda is not about building up my ministry. It's about building you up in Christ. That's the whole goal. That's my whole agenda. That's my whole aim. That's Paul's heart for all the churches. We hear it in all his letters. I mean, listen to a couple of the examples in other letters. Paul's heart for the church. Paul tells the church in Colossae, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He says we preach Jesus, that you might be mature in Jesus. He says to the Galatians, he says, my little children, from whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. I'm sure some ladies here can testify to what the anguish of childbirth means. But he says, with everything in me, I'm in anguish until Christ is formed in you. Oh, I'm so burdened. I'm in anguish until you look like Jesus. Or listen to what he says to the church at Thessalonica. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. We want to give you the gospel, but we're not going to stop there. We're going to give you ourselves because that's how much we love you. Paul doesn't care about his ministry growing. He cares about the church growing in Christ. He doesn't care how much they think of him. He just wants them to make much of Jesus. He doesn't need them to love him or even to like him. He just wants them to love Jesus, to adore Jesus, to look like Jesus. That's how much he loves the church. Beloved, he says. I want you to be built up in Christ so much that I would give the gospel and my very life. And listen again. This is the aim of the good shepherd. This is the aim of the good shepherd for you. Jesus Christ wants you to be built up in Jesus. Jesus wants you to be built up in Jesus. Jesus wants you to abide in his love. That's why Paul can say in this verse, in verse 19, we've been speaking in Christ. You know what I think Paul's saying? I'm saying to you the very same thing that Jesus is saying to you. My desire is the same as Jesus' desire. What I'm after is what Jesus is after. Remember the night when Jesus was betrayed? He was in the upper room with his disciples, with his friends. And one of the last things he said to his disciples, and and I would say the last thing, what he's saying to us even now is this. This is in John chapter 15. It says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Let's just pause there for a second. Listen to what Jesus just said. Jesus just said the same way that the Father has loved him, the perfect Son of God, the same affection, the same joy in Jesus that the Father has, that same exact exact love, is the love that he has for you. Just let that sink in for a second. The same love that the Father and the Son shared for all eternity before the foundation of the world, the same joy that they experienced in one another, Jesus says, that's the same way that I feel about you. And I want you to abide in, to live in, to find your rest in that love. And then he goes on to say, if you could keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's what Jesus is after for you. That's what his heart is for you. The good shepherd's heart for his sheep is that you would abide in his love and overflow in joy. Listen, Jesus is relentlessly pursuing your good. And your ultimate good is for you to abide in his love. The same love, same exact love that he received from the Father, he wants you to live in it and rest in it all the days of your lives. He wants you to rest in that love so that it overflows in the fruit of obedience and overflows in joy, true joy in him. That's the good shepherd's desire for you. It's not that you'd have all the money in the world, It's not that you'd win the Super Bowl. It's not that you'd have a promotion. It's not that you'd be comfortable and and at ease and, and happy. No, he wants you to be joyful in his love. Dane Ortland says, in the gospel, Christ comes to us and does not use us for his good, but loves us for our good. In the gospel, Jesus does not use you for his good. He loves you for your good. Let me ask us this morning, Do first of all, are we resting in that love? Are we resting and living in that eternal love that Jesus has for us? That eternal joy that he wants for us in himself? But secondly, do we love people like Jesus? Do we want good for people like Jesus? Like, do we really love people, or do we want people to love us? Do do we love to do good for people and build people up in Christ, or do we love more them doing good for us? Do we love people for for who they are becoming in Christ? Or are we just frustrated and inconvenienced by who they are right now? Let me ask that question again because I think it hits every one of us every week. Do we love people for who they are becoming in Christ? Or are we frustrated by who they are right now? I love what Tim Keller says about marriage. He says, marriage is for helping one another become our future glory selves. Marriage is helping one another become who we are going to be one day before the throne. When we stand whole and complete and forever satisfied in Jesus. You know what? We, that shouldn't just be for marriage. We should be like that in the church. Let's see one another's future glory selves all the time. Because every one of us is losing sight of who we are becoming in Christ. And we need one another to see it. I need you to help me see who I'm becoming in Christ. I need you to help me remember who I'm becoming in Christ because I'm going to forget it all the time. So let's love one another for who we are becoming in Christ and then let's be instrumental in building up one another in Christ. That our words would build one another up in Christ. That our serving one another would build up one another in Christ that our taking meals to one another would build one another up in Christ, that being present together would build one another up in Christ. Is that our aim today? Are we aiming to build one another up in Christ, like Paul, like Jesus? Finally, the, the shepherd's heart is broken by what's broken. The shepherd's heart is broken by what's broken. You know, Paul mentions a lot of times in these last two chapters, we'll hear it next week, that, hey, I'm about to pay you another visit. I'm about to come again to see you. And he fears, he says, I fear what I'm going to find when I get there. What's going to be going on when I return? It's like leaving your son and five Tasmanian devils, I mean, five friends, in the playroom during community group, right? It's like you don't know what you're going to find when you get back to the playroom, but you know it's probably not going to be pretty. You know it's going to be a mess. Well, why does Paul feel this way about the church in Corinth? Why, why does he fear what he's going to find when he gets there? Well, it's because churches always reflect in their relationships what they believe in their hearts. I'll say it another way. Gospel churches, gospel-centered churches will live in gospel-centered relationships if they treasure Jesus above everything. That's how it works. Gospel-centered churches will live in gospel-centered relationships if we truly treasure Jesus above everything. But Paul knows when a church has been listening to false teachers, teaching a false gospel, he's not going to be surprised what he finds when he gets there. He's not going to be surprised when the church starts reflecting the false teaching that he's been listening to, they've been listening to. Paul says, don't be surprised when you find the church filled with, verse 20, quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder, or even in verse 21, sexual immorality instead of holiness. gospel doctrine that treasures jesus always leads to a gospel community that looks like jesus so listen christ fellowship brothers and sisters when our relationships don't look like jesus they don't feel like jesus what is the gospel we're believing We are functioning out of gospel deficit whenever our hearts are filled with quarreling. We are not resting in the gospel when our hearts are filled with jealousy and and anger or hostility. When you're speaking slander or gossip against one another, it's not the gospel we're clinging to. It's not Jesus we're treasuring. We are treasuring something other than Jesus. Jesus. When we're filled with worldliness and sexual immorality instead of holiness like Jesus, it's not Jesus that we're treasuring. Our hearts are treasuring something else. This breaks Paul's heart. It breaks the heart of Paul who longs for the gospel he preached to bear gospel fruit in the church at Corinth. He longs for the gospel of grace to be marked by people who are gracious to one another. He longs for the church to be filled with the fruit of the gospel, with with the fruit of the Spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And listen, if we're a church... If we're a church that loves the gospel, we should long for the same. And if we're a church that loves the gospel, it should break our hearts when something is not walking in step with the gospel. I'll go even further to say it should break your heart when your words or your motives Your thoughts are not in step with the Jesus that you follow. It should break our hearts when the gospel we preach is contradicted by our life together. When we come, like today, and we sing about Jesus, but our relationships feel nothing like Jesus. When we say we love Jesus, but our lives look nothing like Jesus. And listen, I say all this because this breaks the heart of our good shepherd. Jesus longs for his church to look like Jesus. Jesus longs for his church, for Christ Fellowship, to look like Jesus. How do I know this? Well, just read the book of Revelation. Read the seven letters that Jesus wrote to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And Jesus' heart is broken by what's broken. Jesus' heart is broken by churches who've lost their first love and whose hearts have grown cold and who have grown lukewarm who who appear to be alive but are really dead, churches who wink at worldliness and excuse sexual sin, Jesus' heart is broken by what's broken. I mean, go to the book of Revelation today. Read those letters today. Jesus does rejoice at what is good, but he is broken by what's broken. And I was thinking about that this week. And I thought to myself, what would Jesus say in a letter to the Corinthians? The, Reve- the book of is written to the modern-day Turkey, a circular letter going to all the churches in that area didn't make it. Wasn't written to Greece, and so what would He say to the church at Corinth, knowing their hearts? Would He say this? You, you were quick to receive the gospel. When Paul came preaching to you, you had such a good start. You are extremely gifted, and you've been blessed in so many ways. But I have this against you. I'm broken that you've grown cold. Your hearts have grown cold towards Paul. They've grown cold towards the gospel. And that means the saddest thing of all is that your hearts have grown cold towards me towards my love. And that's why you're so loveless. And I could hear Jesus, return to my love. Return to the cross, return to me again. What would Jesus' letter say to Christ Fellowship? Jesus, who searches the hearts and minds, it says in Revelation, what would he say to us, knowing what's in our heart, knowing our thoughts, knowing our motives, knowing our intentions, knowing our frustrations. What would he say to what's broken in us? How our hearts have maybe grown cold or apathetic. You know, for most of us, we don't struggle seeing our sin today. We don't struggle seeing what's broken in us. We don't don't struggle feeling shame even right now. We we might even feel exposed by a sermon like this. Exposed when we know that Jesus who searches heart and mind, he knows what is broken. But maybe the greater struggle this morning is, are you questioning the heart of Jesus? Are you questioning the heart of Christ this morning? Like, does your heart this morning say, does Jesus care at all? Does he really love me? Will he really receive me if I come back to him? Will, will he really receive me if I bring out what's broken? If I bring out what I'm hiding, will he really receive me? Well, the first thing I would say is look to the cross. Look to the cross. There is nothing louder that Jesus can say. There's nothing greater that Jesus can do than dying on a cross for your sins, for your brokenness, to make you new in him. J.C. Ryle says, in light of the cross, the greatest insult you could give Jesus is to doubt his love for you. In light of the cross, when we look back at what Jesus did from the cross, the greatest insult is to not believe that he loves you. But second of all, I would say, listen. Don't just look back at the cross. Listen to Jesus right now. Like, listen to what Jesus is saying to you right now in your brokenness. Listen to what Jesus is saying to you right now in this moment in your hiding. Listen to what Jesus is saying to you right now if you've been running from Jesus. Because this is what Jesus said to a cold church in Revelation 3.20. And this is what Jesus is saying to you right now. Not to. This is what he's saying to the church, to the people of God. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's incredible. The, the Jesus who came that you might abide in his eternal love, the love that he experienced from the Father, even in your brokenness, even in your feelings of being cold, even when you've been hiding, Jesus says to you, if anyone, if anyone in this room this morning hears my voice and opens the door, I will joyfully come into him. I will joyfully eat with him and he with me. So I'm... I'm saying on the authority of God's word and on the authority of Christ this morning. Are you hiding today? Let Jesus in. Are you broken right now? Let Jesus in. Have you been running lately? Let Jesus in. Are you sinning and need a gentle Savior, let Jesus in. Jesus is not scared of what's broken in you. Jesus is not bothered by what's broken in you. Jesus sees the beauty in what's broken. Jesus wants to come in. He wants to fellowship with us He wants us to abide in, rest in, live in his love now and forever. And I guarantee you, church, if you do this, if you fellowship with Jesus, if you welcome him in, if you rest in his love, your heart today will say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd, and if I have Jesus, there is nothing else that I need. Let's pray together. Lord, we we ask that you would draw us to yourself even in this moment. That, Lord, so many of us might be hiding in our sins. So many of us might be broken and we don't know where to turn. We might be running from you. But Lord Jesus, you invite us to yourself. Lord Jesus, you say, if any of us in this room hears your voice, if any of us sense your spirit calling us, Lord, would we open the door? Would we visit with you? Would we fellowship with you? Would we live and rest in you and your love today? So Lord, I pray that you would crush any hesitancy in our hearts that you would cast out any, any fear of coming to you, Lord, and that we would come out of hiding and that we would come into the light, into your love, and that we would live there and rest there until our hearts say, Lord, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know how much you love them, that you gave your one and only son, that he would live, die, and rise again for them. Lord, that you would, Lord, not allow them to question your heart any longer, but draw them to yourself that they might know your love, your forgiveness, now and forever. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.